answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are joining us today as we talk about Financial matters. Both myself and my co-host here were both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. Spent the last roughly three decades helping people uh, save for, plan for their retirement, transition to retirement, and live through the retirement. And we've been coming here on the air for almost 25 years, um, talking about the same thing. So, and you've been uh, for the last three weeks. You said the last uh. three decades. You've been helping people through retirement. Last through three weeks, you have been going through. Something personally, which many of our clients go through, um, yeah. So that, that we we talk about with clients all the time, but when it when it it hits home, it's um, yeah. It's good to be back, and I think Pat had mentioned that uh, I was dealing with some family kind of health issues, and essentially my my father, who's eighty one, but an extremely healthy, youthful eighty one. There, a month literally a month ago, he he was bragging about his week because he had done seventy miles of either walking or jogging that week. Plus, he'd been to the gym five days that week. Wow. 81. A couple spin classes. Yeah. He'd like to go to the spin classes with the Palace for these Housewives is what he would like to say. Because like he's 81 do. and youthful. <laughs> and youthful. So, <laughs> and um, um, anyway, he, he came down with uh, gallbladder pancreatitis, which apparently can strike at any age. But uh, when you're 81, it's even more challenging. So you end up with the pancreas backs up. The whole system gets plugged and uh, back into your whole blood system, and you become septic and really sick. Yeah, he was very ill, and um, the last three weeks have been, frankly, quite touch and go. But he's um, he seems to be on the mend, and um, so it's good to be back here. And so but it's a very long process. So we're located in Sacramento, California. Just given some geography to the listeners across the United States. Uh, we're located in Sacramento, and Scott's uh, father is down in Torrance, which is Southern California. So yes. it's an hour and thirty-minute plane ride. And hour and five minutes. There's, uh, there are flights. It's like the Greyhound bus in the 1960s. It's, it's totally. Yeah, there's Southwest flights every hour almost. Yeah. So you were back and forth on a weekly, daily. Uh, yeah, how but often? I was down there the majority of the time, and you know it's interesting, Pat. One of the things that we talk about with our clients is. Um, a lot of people are like they, they can't wait till they retire. Like I can't, I'm gonna as soon as I get, I just can't wait till I'm gonna be fully retired. And they spend so much of their life just working and uh, without a lot of other stuff in life. And so I had a lot of work demands, and I, I all of a sudden I had this kind of moment of clarity. I said, you know, I don't know if my dad's gonna be. I don't know if this is his last day, or I don't know. My sisters are down there, and I said, I'm gonna spend time. With my dad in the hospital, although he was, didn't know we were there a lot of the time, um, and my and my family and your three sisters and my three sisters, we Which, weren't all there together the whole time. It was kind of we were all kind of taking turns and whatnot. But but you know what's when I went through this uh, twice with my parents, the the interesting thing is, since it was 
with my mother, she was out of town. She was uh, when when she was sick and dying. Is I spent a lot of time with my siblings without our respective spouses there. Yes, <laughs> which is really kind of a different dynamic than spending time with your siblings with their spouse and your spouse there. Did you find the same? It's a different dynamic. Yeah, you're like kids again. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Right? I mean, we had a lot of actually fun times in spite of it all. It's one thing when it's an 81 year old father. It's not like I mean he's. He's lived a wonderful life, and if it was his time and God wanted to come home, then, then you know, I think um, we were all preparing for that. But um, anyway, so I apologize for missing the last three weeks. I am back, and hopefully— um, And we thanks, uh, thank you to David Shower for filling in um, on your behalf. Yeah, and I think the next couple of weeks, we'll want to talk a little bit, a bit more about uh, advanced health care directives, power of attorneys, those sort of issues. Um, and how uh, how important they are, and yeah. how uh, the relationship between a child and yes. uh, and parent um, can be strained at times over these subject matter. Over yes, the, yeah, over the, <laughs> yes. And just because you're a certified financial planner, uh, quite respected in the industry, <laughs> doesn't mean that uh, to a father that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right, you're just a little Scott. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, if you'd like to join the program, and I, I we we we, pre, we understand that uh, many of our listeners enjoy us talking about uh, our um, our personal lives, and there's a few that don't. And for those of the few that don't, uh, I was going to apologize, but I'm not going to. No, turn the <laughs> turn <laughs> the channel. Else. There's plenty of financial <laughs> programs. Uh, anyway, if you want to be part of the program, you got a question for us. Our contact number to join the program: toll free eight eight three three ninety nine worth eight three three. 99 worth numerically it's 833-999-6784 that'll get you on the program and we're going to talk with lynette in northern california lynette you are with all worth's money matters hi thanks for taking my call we're hi, glad lynette. you're back your dad's on the men but we always do enjoy um david when he's on as well oh good well he'll, he'll be um okay. my he'll be, i might not be here next the... week then I'm skiing or something <laughs> no, just kidding <laughs> my what? question involves the distribution and placement of our rmd money um the charitable giving has already been addressed and so i'm wondering where to take the remaining portion from um the total is not the total of the RMD, but the total amount of the um, holdings. The IRA is, is about one point six, just over one point six. Okay. And the remaining amount of the RMD is thirty one thousand dollars. <throat> okay, so it sounds like you took part of your required minimum distribution had to go directly to a charity, and by doing so, doesn't even come on hit your tax return. It's a, a, a it's the perfect way to give to charity if you're charity inclined um, at this stage when you have required minimum distributions. And then the other thirty-one thousand dollars. I don't quite understand the question as to are you asking what part of the IRA to to, to take it out of? Or I, I don't right. understand. Right. Well, well, right now, if we put everything together, um, including our personal holdings, other than um, IRAs and all, we have sixty-six percent stock. 28% bonds, and then 6% in the short-term cash. But the um, the account that the remaining 31000 is coming out of has gotten pretty heavy in the stocks with 72% in stock. And, and that particular holding 
amounts to oh, $888,000. <laughs> Yeah, so, well, if you think about it, Lynette, this year, um, this last year was not a great year for the stock market. Lost a little money. This year, the stock market's been on a tear. It's doing done very well. So, the allocation of your portfolio today is very different than it was in January because, as the stock market's gone up, your stock holdings have become a higher percentage of your overall allocation. Exactly, and the stock holdings that I gave you are current. Well, as it yeah. as of the end of October. So this eight hundred and eighty-one thousand dollars out of this one point six million is that a single holding? And if it is, what is it? Um, no, it is not. Okay. But I was just looking at that. Um, <clears throat> hmm. And how old are you, Lynette? Um, we're between, um, well, the late seventies, early eighties. And you've had a lot of experience invested in the markets and over a long period of time, we assume. Is that, is that the correct assumption? Yes. Okay. So you most certainly should take that $31,000 out of the equity side. There's no question about that. The next question, Scott, is when, when do you plan on rebalancing your portfolio? That's the next question. Well, well, before we get to that, most of those stocks, it's either Microsoft or QQQs in the bro- that brokerage side. But, but, okay, so as a percentage of this overall, what did you say the overall equity or what the overall portfolio is? Um, 66%. Uh, no, no, what's the dollar amount? 1.7, 1.6. Well, that, that was just in the IRA, though. And then she said she had a brokerage No, no, the 1, 1. 1.6 was the total. Yeah. Okay, okay. You're wanting to know... Um, How much of that is in Microsoft and the Qs? How much is in Microsoft? Hang on. And, okay. and, and the, the Qs, what the Qs is, for the, the, the rest of you there, uh, it's, it's the, the NASDAQ index fund. The right. tech, top, okay. 100, tech, um, top 100 oh. NASDAQ. I believe it's 155,000 is in the Microsoft. Okay, and how much are in the queues? A couple of others, and in the queues, it's um, almost 200,000. Wow. Okay, let me ask you a question, Lynette. You meet me for the first time. You decide to hire a financial advisor for whatever reason. Right. And you've never worked for the financial advisor before, and you come into my office, and I say, gosh, Lynette, you and your husband are your partner are great saving savers you've done a great job here's what i want to do out of you 1.6 million dollars i want to take two hundred thousand dollars and i'm going to put it in a single sector of nothing but technology stocks and in addition to that i'm going to take another 10 percent of your portfolio yeah uh, yes it's another 10 percent and put it into a another technology a single stock which by the way is a large portion of the QQQs that you yeah. just put the money into. So I want $350,000 of your $1.6 million, right? Think about that. Over 20% of the portfolios into a single sector, highly concentrated in a single company stock. What would you say to me? I would say that's probably not a very good idea. And to tell you the truth, as I was looking this over this morning, I said to my husband, I think this is what they're going to say because up until <laughs> this point. You knew the point, answer. Right. Up, right, up it, until this point, um, because when we divided the en- entire amount so that we didn't have so much paperwork, 
you know, we put stocks, more stocks and stuff on one side, more bonds and such in the other. And we were so heavy for a while in the bonds as well as we get a retirement, which is counted as a bond, but but not within what I told you about. Okay. Um, that I kept looking over, say, towards the Ginnie Mae funds okay. because there was so much of that on the other side. So I kept pulling out of that for RMDs because it wasn't doing that much anyway. And, got it, um, got it. So, so Lynette, let's. We're going to walk you through a couple concepts. You need to. You need to. And let, you, it sounds like you've done. You've good savers. You know, you've, as bright as can yes. be. I mean, just as bright as can be. I hope your husband is involved in this. As you are, because if you predecease him, he's going to be lost. Um. <laughs> he's, he's sitting here laughing, shaking his head, and going, "Oh, I keep showing it to him." But um. yeah, yeah. So anyway, so very typical that one, just like other chores in the household. Yes, there. Um, so you you want to keep that in mind that if something happens to you, that you've got to tell your husband, you know. Uh, this is how it works, or, or hire a certain firm. So here's what I want uh, I want you to think about. One is, land on a portfolio. You've done really, really well with this. You've been well served by this particular holdings of Microsoft. But that's just a, a, a quirk in time, because there are points in time that if you own Microsoft over a period of time, you would would have been greatly, greatly disappointed. Right, and I think we were for a while. We just kind of kept it over at the brokerage side, yep. and hadn't paid enough attention but is the to that Microsoft because, in the brokerage side or is it in the um IRA side well well it's on the brokerage portion of the IRA uh, okay so IRA, so IRA so it's in the IRA oh got it got it got it got it yeah it's in so, the traditional so, IRA okay so here's what you you want to think about you need to rebalance this portfolio into something that a large institutional pension plan would do or something similar so you could continue to uh, overweight Microsoft what do you think it's got well there's it doesn't matter or does it matter no it does matter um uh, the th- the th- here's how I would look at it, is what what's the appropriate portfolio for you? So I it, I mean the money should come out of if you're not going to do if you do nothing else take the money out of Microsoft because it's roughly ten percent of your portfolio, and there's yeah, no really, reason you have ten percent of your portfolio in one company, particularly if it's in an IRA. There's no tax considerations, makes no difference. So that's an easy one. But secondly, this the, the stock market's done re- really well this year. Technology has done well. It's just a great time to rebalance. And by rebalancing, just you take, let's say your, your overall allocation, you would prefer a 60% in stocks. You're at 66%. It might have been 55% at the beginning of the year. Very well could have been. It's just the perfect time to do a rebalance. And you, by doing so, you're selling off some of the winners. You're reallocating some money to some of those things that have yet to do well. Uh, it's just the perfect time to and do And maybe it. your portfolio is 60% equities or 55% equities and the rest. Now, I'm going to bring you to one other step and. This is going to be a hard concept for many to understand, but you seem to have a pretty good grasp on this, Lynette. You want your bond portion of the portfolios in the IRAs, and you want the equity portfolio portion of your portfolio outside the IRAs. Like, why would you do that, Pat? Assuming you can look at your portfolio as one and not view the two accounts as horse races. Right. So, and the reason is your equity portion of the portfolio receives a full step up in basis at your one of you or your spouse's death. So, and it's not, it triggers very little in the way of taxable income today because it's capital gain treatment. 
right? Versus the portion that comes out of your brokerage account and your bonds is treated as ordinary income and the assumption is your ordinary income is at a higher level than your capital gains rates. The portion that we have that's outside of the IRA is um, about $235,000, and 192000 of that is in um, the stock. Beautiful. Perfect. 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 That is perfect. Don't, don't change it. Don't then. change that piece. Don't change that piece. Do all the analysis of the change in the portfolio inside of the IRA. Right. You've done a great job. You've done a great job. You've done an incredible job. Your husband. You've done a better job than most financial advisors would have done for you. Your husband is a lucky man. So you need to tell him that as often as possible how lucky he is. (laughs) He's shaking his head saying, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. (laughs) Good for him. Hey, thanks. We appreciate the call. And thanks for listening. Uh, And tell your friends, please, uh, especially (laughs) one of the fastest growing people listening to podcasts are people over the age of 55. And so uh, please tell your friends to uh, download our podcast. Yeah. I don't know. How, what, I'm curious what percentage of uh, – well, my father, 81, is, uh, listens to a lot of podcasts. podcasts. So, uh, Scott, I actually just uh, – I asked before the show today what are numbers for our podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And by the way, this program, we're going to have an extended podcast segment at the end of this program. Today. Today for our podcast listeners. What is – so we – what is an ex- – we – Sometimes we just pontificate or we ask questions or answer questions. We're going to answer a question that someone had sent in to us oh. on um, Thrift Savings Plan, which is essentially the 401k in retirement. Well, if there isn't a reason to get the <laughs> podcast, I don't know what is. <laughs> and, and we're going to give out a recipe for banana bread. Um <laughs> Scott, we're supposed to we're, – we're trying to tease this. We're, okay. We're trying to get people to want to <clears throat> listen. I appreciate that. So uh, I asked uh, Jasmine Flores, our uh, producer, before the show started, what's the number of download for our podcast? And because um, she is a producer, she said in the month of November, we had 18,830 downloads to our podcast. So – I actually don't know if that's a good number or a bad number because I have nothing to compare well, it to. Well, considering we we tend to – the majority of our listeners are nearing retirement age, and they've been good savers. Okay. So that's probably 10% of the population. Okay. So 3 million uh, – no, 30 million 30 people. Million so people. we've got 18,000 out of 30 million. It's terrible. <laughs> It's six tenths of one percent. <laughs> Why are we even showing up and doing this? What? Unless you guys get it together and start downloading the podcast, we're out of here. Well, you can continue listening on terrestrial radio. Yeah. So I don't know whether eighteen thousand is a All good right. number for podcast or bad. Let's. Uh, that let's, would have been something to ask. Like, how do we compare against other people? Well, you can. That's not hard to find. Just go to iTunes and you can see the number of reviews. That gives you some indication. Okay. People, I, there's lots of reviews that tells you there's lots of listeners. I don't listen to our own podcast, by no, the way. No, do I. I can't stand it. Yeah. I, it's not that bad. I find it, <laughs> find it bad. It's just, you don't like listening to yourself? No, and I've already said it. Why do I want to hear it again? Mm. Actually, I've already lived that life once. I don't need to revisit it. Okay. All right, let's uh, continue on here. 833-99-WORTH is the number. We're in Northern California talking with John. John, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi. Hi, John. Uh, my wife and I are both 60. We're looking to retire at 62. Uh, so I've been doing uh, retirement planning. 
we don't plan on taking our Social Security until 70 to try and get the max amount. I heard once just in passing on your show, uh, I think last year, someone mentioned that Social Security, if you stop working, like we're going to stop working at 62, that the Social Security calculation that I get off of their website um, won't be that amount of at 70 that I'm seeing right now because it thinks I'm going to continue working all the way until 70. Yeah, Not- but, the, the, but it looks at your lifetime earnings, so uh, and it looks at the highest was it 30? Yeah, and but it but it but yes, but he's right. It's that it's minuscule though. It, yes. So you're it's going to calculate like you're working at that income wage till your full retirement age. And that's how they calculate it. But it might have it might not have any impact whatsoever because you've already if you've had a normal working career, it'll have a little though. Just I mean like Negligible. I, I remember I was doing a workshop on uh, Social Security, and the gentleman asked the question. He said, "You know, this said I was if I waited till age my full retirement age, I was going to get I don't know seventeen hundred and eighty dollars a month, and I didn't. So now I get uh, seventeen hundred and sixty five dollars a month. It was it was yeah, negli- yeah. it was negligible. Not that fifteen dollars isn't a lot of money, especially where I grew where up. Where it would have but- a bigger impact. Let's say someone had left the workplace until age fifty five, then they went back into the workplace at that." that time, then it could have a bigger impact. And why are you okay. waiting, by the way? Um, just because we have enough in the 401k to have you have you us. Have you analyzed if, if one of you took it and then the other took a spousal benefit until age 70, and then that one that's taken a spousal benefit then claims their own? So, in other words, one waits till 70? Because then you would be receiving for those um, uh, eight years... Uh, one of you would be receiving a spousal benefit that you would not receive otherwise by both waiting. Right, but then that spousal benefit, then that would lock that person in. Let's say no, my wife. No, 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 only, no, only no. between the years of sixty-two. It's money between sixty-two and sixty-eight that would not come. That it would, the only way to receive it is on a spousal benefit, and then they, it switches over to their own. Oh. So, in other words, either one of you. Let's say your wife. I mean, you, you, that's where the analysis needs to come into play. And you actually look at the actual numbers, and you can run calculations mm-hmm. both ways. But let's say your wife starts taking it at age 62. You, sign, you say, I don't, don't want mine at 62. I'm going to wait till 70. But you sign up for a spousal benefit. Which is half of their benefit. Roughly, yeah. Uh, it's roughly, it'll be a little less than that because we're taking it early, not waiting until full retirement age. But it's money that you would, the only way you're going to receive it is on a spousal benefit when you're not receiving your own. You get that spousal benefit till age 70, then you've been deferring yours till 70, which was your plan all the way along, then you sign up for yours. Now, your, now your spouse is locked into a lower benefit the rest of her life, but you've received that spousal benefit for those number of years. So what you have to do, John, in order to figure out how to do this is you have to run some net present value calculations, assuming a normal life expectancy on four different scenarios at a minimum. But then you need to calculate... I hate to say it, it gets more, a little more complicated because then it's what your retirement, your IRAs are like, 401ks, what the requirement of distributions are going to be. Do we need to look at doing some Roth conversions? That Do, does it make sense to put off Social Security till 64 so I have two years of doing some Roth conversions? Yeah. Or I mean, it it isn't as simple as— And it's as, not necessarily a 
a perfect science either because we're, we're, you're going to have to make guesses on future tax rates. And uh, growth rates in your IRAs if you're going to consider and Roth Social conversion. Security receipts in the future. Yeah, and life expectancy. Yes. So I hope this helps because we certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this question, John. What is your plan for uh, medical insurance at age 62, between 62 and 65? Well, I heard that we can uh, uh, take a COBRA, and that by California state law, they, they have to at least allow the COBRA for three years now. So that should bridge us across. And have you costed the Cobra? Pardon? Have you costed the Cobra in your retirement plan? You want to cost that. Yeah. Okay. You want to cost that. And why do you want to retire at 62? Because I don't want to wait any longer. We have grandchildren now, and we want to start spending more time with them and traveling more. Okay. Good for you. And it, it may make sense for you to actually pay someone to do an analysis of your Social Security benefit. The problem is it's hard to find competent financial advisors that aren't interested in just selling you something. It is. Yeah. But I can't at Allworth Financial, right? <laughs> no, uh, we're not, we're not promoting not put, ourselves. Yeah. Not promoting ourselves here. <laughs> we like ourselves. We like the we're proud of the firm that we built, but but I don't even know what geography you're in or whether you'd be a good fit or not, or whether we're or offering it, but my point being is if the, the Social Security question is not an easy one uh, because of the fact that there's art and science involved yeah. in it. But you've got some time, right? You've got, you've got two, two years. years. I'd take a little time, do some research. You already are. The fact that you're thinking about this, calling the program, I think that's uh, that's all prudent, John. So um, wish you well in your, in your planning. And, it's, and it's, you're being very wise by, by thinking about this now and not waiting until you're you're retired and then trying to do some analysis. The earlier on you start doing some retirement planning before you retire, the more options you've got available to yourself. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll take some more calls and we will continue our discussions. You're listening to All Worth's Money Matters. Our contact number is 833-99-WORTH, 833-99-WORTH. And you'll be right back with Hanson and McLean, All Worth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. Thanks for being part of our program today. We are enjoying ourselves, and we hope you are enjoying the program. It's nice to have you back, Scott. It's good to be back. Was a, was the I have never week? taken three weeks off the radio in 24 years of doing the show. How was it? Well, it wasn't like you took it off for vacation. You were no, taking care of your dad. Well, actually, when you say taking care of your dad, uh, your dad was in the hospital, so you help um, coordinating care of your father's care. You know, it's maddening. Until I, I've never, I've never been through something like this with a loved one. It's there, there's so many doctors that get rotated through that it's like who is this actual doctor? And it depends like week by week. There's a different doctor. Yes. And then it's just. Well, well not, not only that, it's the, uh, so uh, many of, uh, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the, the show before, but I had a mother that died of cancer and she was in the medical care system for um, a couple of years before she passed away. And I had a daughter that died. I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the show before. I don't know if you ever have either. How long ago now? 
25 years. Uh, she was born with a congenital heart defect. Very, very, very sick. Very sick. Um, it would have been 26 years. And she died of complications of surgery at 18 months mm-hmm. um, for heart surgery. And she died. But she had been in the hospital for weeks and weeks and weeks. And um, what you experience is what I tell any person that's going through this, you have to be there to make sure the communication between the medical staff and the specialist yes. is coordinated. Because everyone has their own view of the world. And they they work their shift and then go home, but the patient always stays. Yeah. Um, and so, especially with a child or someone that is incapacitated, you, you've got to, you know, someone needs to be there to kind of coordinate... You, the patient advocate. Yes, and it's I, it. I, I everyone I've talked to, no matter how great the hospital system is, no one's going to be an advocate like a family member. No one, no one. And and what we found, especially, was anytime they would actually go to give my daughter medication, or when my mother was ill, medication. What are you giving it to her? And then we check the chart as best we could just to make sure. And if you're there, the medical staff will double check themselves, um, which is what you want. Yeah. Uh, but but all in all, we still have the best medical care in the world. If you think about it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating, but it's incredible. It, and and it's a huge expense for uh, retirees. Massive. Right? And because as we get older, when we have more health issues, obviously. But I'll never get years ago. A client was come come in and they were complaining about they had lifetime medical through their employer with a small um, payment each month for it. But it was like it was almost. It was highly subsidized. They were under age 65. They're paying, I don't know, 80 bucks, 120 bucks a month for medical insurance. It was nothing. And he was complaining about, uh, they just bumped his rate. He was paying another 50 bucks a month or something like that. Complaining about it. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. And then he was telling me about um, how he's he's able to golf again because his, his knee replacement, a knee replacement the previous year. Like there was no connection <laughs> there between? There was no correlation whatsoever. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, well, you know, um, <laughs> That's, um, but the, we can complain about the cost of medical care, which are, are there inefficiencies? Absolutely. There's inefficiencies. Um, there's absolutely inefficiencies, but it is, is it some of the best in the world? Yes, it is. Are there other countries that probably do it a little bit better? Yes. Where? I, I, I don't know where anyone else I'd rather be with a medical problem eh, in the probably, United States. In terms of the <laughs> progressive and, and the leading edge of technology. Yeah. yeah I think anyway, probably right. we're getting, um. Let's, uh, let's get back to the phones here. Uh, to join our program and question for us, toll free, it's 833-99-WORTH. We're in South Dakota with Caitlin. Caitlin, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing, Caitlin? Great. Where in South Dakota are you calling from? Um, I'm a little north of Huron, South Dakota, so on the eastern side. And what is the industry where you're my, at? My in- father's from Yankton, South Dakota. How far sure. is Yankton from Heron? Oh, uh, probably three hours. Okay, long way away. Yeah. So, right. and what is the yeah. industry in South Dakota? We hear that Dakotas are going through boom. It, it, depending on what I'm reading, sometimes they're in boom and sometimes they're in bust. Depending on where in the Dakotas. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's all pretty much farming around here, but we've had a pretty rough year because of all of the rain. So, um, yeah, we're not doing so hot this year, but God is good. So. Oh, good. All good. Right. What can we do for you? Well, I have a question about credit cards. I kind of grew up with this idea that we didn't need credit cards. And so I have a debit card and I've always used it. But 
through international travel, I realized, oh, my goodness, I have to have a credit card. One time I couldn't even get my bag checked, and the guy behind me paid for it with his credit card. I was in, Sounds like, like it's working out perfect for you. Yeah. I was like, um, so <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, I don't have my I, wallet. I'd love to help pay for lunch. Yeah, well, we've seen that from you before, buddy. <laughs> well, yeah, so basically, like, the to check my bag, they wouldn't take cash. I had Canadian cash, I had American cash, and I had a debit card, and they wouldn't take any of it. And so they said, we have to have a credit card. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess my bag's staying here with you. Okay. And um, How old are you? So I, I'm 26. And um, what do you do for a living? Yeah, I am a program and communication director at a Bible camp. Okay. So here is uh, – so what, and the reason I asked that is when you mentioned international travel, you absolutely need a credit card. You have to establish – I think a lot of hotels don't – it's a problem in hotels too, isn't it, if you don't have a credit card? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I have never checked in. I was last – Last week, I was at a rental car place, and right next to me is another is a guy trying to get a rental car, and he couldn't get a rental car because he had a debit card and didn't have a credit card. And they're and they're yeah. afraid they can't draw on that account yeah. or the credit yeah, correct, they can. Yeah. So you absolutely you need credit cards for two reasons. One is to establish a credit history. Number one, which is mm-hmm. really 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 important. And the other is to just the ease of actually going through life. And I'll give you a. A third one, which is you you actually can benefit from these credit cards by using these affinity card programs. So Mm -hmm. let's kind of step through what those what that means. I have four children. The minute they turn 18, we encourage each one of our children to get a credit card. Um, Not to chart, not to rack up any. That's right. That's right. So when you grew up and you heard no credit, no credit, no credit, don't use credit cards. What? What, what most people were probably really trying to say is don't carry a credit balance. The borrower is the slave to the lender. Don't carry mm-hmm. a credit balance, which is don't put anything on your credit card that you can't afford to pay for when the bill comes in. Right. Mm-hmm. So I personally have four or five different credit cards. And I'm like, why you would do? you? Really? Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I use them is for the affinity programs. Cause I, I wanted to get premier United. I like to be, have the, uh, the silver status at Marriott <laughs> hotels so that I get the upgrades. Right. Um, I use my Costco card for the vast majority of my, I have two. I've used my Costco card for the vast majority of purchases. Cause it's got that, some great cash back features. And I use a, an American express for other things. So, and I get benefits. I make money off them. That that so that's mm-hmm. the point. So you want to you want to get a credit card now. If you fly a lot, you only um, make money off them if you pay off the balances. By the way, correct. <laughs> you, you don't want to carry a balance. So find a. And they card. don't want me to pay off the balance. They would love it if I didn't pay off the balance and I had a big balance. That's how they make their money. One hundred percent. They make that and then the merchants I mean, pay I them those, something. The ads the are I find a little deceiving because you see these people that are going on a trip and something because they use a certain credit card. Like the credit card company is only going to make any money. They're not going to be profitable unless people carry balances. The mm-hmm. whole the whole system of the way they have with these affinity programs will not work unless people keep balances. But you don't want to have a balance. So so right. get an affinity card. So if you go to um, what's that website? Um, bankrate.com. Bankrate.com. It will actually tell you. Is which, that the right one? No, yeah. just do affinity cards. 
Uh, actually, and there's a there's a couple websites. There, but you need you, a credit card. You need a credit card and get one that actually fits your lifestyle. So if you stay in hotels, you know maybe get a Marriott or a Hilton card. If you want the cash back, if you go to Costco, the Costco cards are great. By the way, some of the best out there. It's a Visa card now. It used to be American Express. Um, so you want to establish credit. You want the Affinity card. You want something with um, a low or no annual fee since you're probably not charging. I can't imagine you working at a Bible camp. You're crushing it with the income. <laughs> <Don't think. laughs> so my actual real question is I've actually applied to get credit cards, and I have they just decline me every time. Yeah, because you and, haven't you haven't established yeah. any credit, and you're 26. Yeah, so and, maybe like what's where, the best way to go about that? Where do you bank? Um... Uh, First National Bank. Okay, go down and to First so National I, and go down to First National. Mm-hmm. And what they're probably going to do is issue a credit card with you where you actually have a reserve balance yes. against that. That's what my daughter did first. And that's what you have to okay. start. So what that means mm-hmm. is they're going to issue a credit card with $500 credit limit. And you have to have 500 bucks in the account. So you essentially lend them the $500. But that's how you establish the credit. And that's how you establish. And once you do that for a year or two, use that credit Maybe card. not even that long. Use the credit card. You have to use the credit card um, in mm-hmm. order to establish that. Pay it off every month, and then you will now establish a credit rating, and then you can actually people will actually issue a credit card without having a reserve balance. Mm-hmm. So just go down to okay. your local bank. Okay. All right. All right. We wish you well, Caitlin. <laughs> Thanks so Hopefully much. Hopefully, it won't be call. too cold of a winter in the South. Dakotas. My dad went to college in North Dakota. He said the only reason that people lived in North Dakota, he said it was too cold to be out long enough to actually get away. You had to run back in the house. It was so cold. And then he moved to Southern California. Right? Then he moved to L.A., yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which so, he loves. So, so. if you are if you're, uh, have teenagers or young adults, this is a perfect example of Caitlin taking something that she had heard in her childhood. Which that, is good. Don't get into debt. But, and credit cards can be nasty. But... Not getting the debt, not having credit cards are two different things, right? Having yeah. a credit so card doesn't mean. So you've watched your kids, and I've got two. My uh, my daughter's in grad school, son, and uh, he's a senior in college, and they both have credit cards. And I've watched my son; his he actually had a balance for a period of time on one, and got it paid off. And it's always an interesting balance when they're young adults too, because they're trying to be their own. Yeah. But uh, and you're trying to kind of help coach them without being too heavy handed, uh, but. I mean, it's a, they both have learned what happens. They don't want the balance. They've learned about that. Um, and establish credit. And establish credit. They both establish credit as a result. Yeah. Which at some point in time, I mean, even if you want to go rent an apartment, credit. you're going to run your credit. Yeah. So, all right. And you really need one to you can rent a car or fly or I guess you can't even hotel. check a bag without a credit card. Yeah. I had no idea. I don't know why they wouldn't take a debit card. I think she might have been in a foreign country. I don't know why they don't take a debit card there. I don't know. Unless you're in like a really backwards country. I don't know. know. And you're using salt to pay for things. Well, actually, (laughs) there's no other form of currency. That is. uh, I don't know any countries that use use salt as a currency. Well, but many. uh, I have mentioned this on the show. One of my favorite books is The History of Salt. Your favorite books? One of my favorite books is the really, hi- yeah, the history of salt. It's one of your favorites. Yes, I will read it then. And the uh, the source by James Michener, which is <laughs> okay. that's a slog as well. But the history of salt. When you say they're using salt, that's where the word salary comes from. It's the base word salt. salt. Yeah. 
And I remember I went to Russia to like 20 some odd years ago. And um, back then, uh, vodka was uh, one of the forms of currency too. On the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bartering people with, oh, with was. vodka. What's well, interesting when PepsiCo. I don't know if you know that, but some Russians drink vodka occasionally. Well, you know, when PepsiCo actually uh, was introduced into, into Russia in the 70s and early 80s, they didn't want the hard currency leaving Russia. They would actually take it out in vodka. There we go. There you go. Vodka well, there's a bunch of stuff that you've got. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Eight, to join our show, 833-99-WORTH is the contact number. We're in Sacramento with Joseph. Joseph, you're with Hanson and McLean's All Worth Money Matters. Yes. Hi, Joseph. Hey. What can we do for you? Got two related questions. Okay. Um, is a is a house that is in the name of a trust is it protected from California civil lawsuits? No. Okay. Well. Yeah. No. Wouldn't matter. I mean. If it's if it's a if it's an irrevocable trust, uh, it's and irrevocable, it's a revocable trust. Yeah, yeah, it's revocable. But even but even Scott, even if it was irrevocable, well, no. It, I mean, as an example, Pat, let's say you you put some money into an irrevocable trust, you transfer it out. It's not in your uh, you re, you receive no economic benefit for it. Okay, and you did this transaction prior to. Whatever civil case would might come against you. Okay. Let's well, I didn't know. Out. Right? I did not know. So you did this five years ago, and then there was some something happened in the last year where there's a claim against you. That's not your assets. There, the, there'd be no no claim to that asset. That is a rev- irrevocable. Yes. But a revocable trust that most people have. That like is, a family living trust is revocable. That's, yeah. you know, grab those right Pull the assets right out of there. Okay, so what's the second question? Okay, second question is uh, related. Um, a matured, uh, non-qualified annuity. There's no such thing, but keep going. And the, and the annuitant and owner is over 59 and a half. Okay. Is there a way, is there a way to protect that from California civil lawsuit? Um, if, if you annuitize it, you might be able to protect some. Besides annuitizing, is there a way to transfer that to some kind of other account or do anything else? The challenge, the ch- so the, to be real blank, I mean, by, by not, the way, we're, we're not, not attorneys, we're, so I'm and, not giving you a legal. And you may want to ask, you may want to visit with these questions are serious enough that it, you may want to take it off a call in talk show and actually pay an attorney for uh, advice. But if you annuitize it, you turn it into a stream of income. It makes it harder to get to, but it doesn't make it impossible. Yeah, yeah they can still they can still grab all the monthly payments. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been doing some research, and they they said that you're right. That if you annuitize, it's harder to get to, but still not. It doesn't make if you had ten million dollars in an annuity, and you annuitized it, and you said, "Hey, court, look." I don't own this anything anymore. I just get $70,000 a month in income off of it. The court would look at you and say, not quite so much. The thing that is most protected from uh, claims are... uh, Retirement plan balances, less than a million dollars. IRAs, 401ks, and life insurance. Uh, I I didn't think IRAs were protected. I knew only company-sponsored ones, 403Bs, deferred compensation, 401ks. 
those were protected, but I thought individual IRAs were not. Protected. Again, we're not attorneys, so we're not um, attempting to practice law here. There was a Supreme Court case. Seven, eight years ago? Fifteen years ago. A long time ago. Yeah, uh, and uh, balances under a million dollars. Because but the protections came through what's known as ERISA, the Employee Retirement Income Security Act, and for a right, while, right, right. for a while, it was just people said if the money had originated in a retirement plan and not commingled with other IRA contributions, you should be okay. But then there's the Supreme Court ruling. But money in qualified plans can be protected more than a million dollars, which is different than IRAs. Yes, which is different than IRAs. Regular IRAs, regular IRAs, and Roth IRAs. Bonds that are under a million dollars, you're, you're telling me you think that. Yeah, but, but you know, but the, the, re, the reality is just, if you have those sort of assets, which it actually sounds like you do, and it you're not asking these questions out of curiosity, I assume. <laughs> right. <laughs> just thinking over the weekend. Huh? You, you've got an issue that you need real legal advice. You need to go and uh, pay someone to actually show you how or whether you should or not do this. Okay. I mean, that, that, do you have do you have an umbrella insurance? No. What kind of claim are you expecting? This is a civil claim or what? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And and it, it if it's a you need legal advice. Yeah. You need legal, and okay. you should bring your insurance policy into whoever you're. Getting legal homeowners, advice from your homeowners, homeowners and ask if that actually, uh, I don't know what kind some. of claim we're not going to dig into uh, this too much, but you might want to bring your homeowner's policy into the attorney as well and say, you know, does yeah. this. Yeah. You know, I went on. Sure. Thank right, you. Hey, good luck, Joseph. It sounds like a, not okay, a fun you. position to be in when you're looking at, you know, it's not a, when you're sitting, fa- sitting, fa- I don't know who knows what happened, right? Lots of things can happen in life. Yes. And, you, you know, you read about these strange things that happen to people. It could happen to you. Right? Yeah. Statistically, not going to happen, but it certainly could. And when it happens, it could be devastating. One of the reasons we talk to all of our clients we've talked about in this program is making sure you've got enough liability insurance, umbrella policy. Yes. And the more assets you have, the more you need an umbrella policy. And the umbrella policies aren't that expensive. There are points in your life where you actually have greater exposure to an incident happening that you need insurance than other points in your life. You mean like children at home? Teenagers? Teenagers? Grandchildren coming to the house? Grandchildren? Friends? Friends, right? If you've got a dog, you may need it more than... Yeah, I don't care how nice that dog is, right? But I have... I know a couple people that were at their friend's house and the dog bit them and there was scarring and there were settlements, um, right? And they otherwise a friendly dog, but the dog was having a bad day and bit this little girl in her face and, oh. and scarred and scarred. And there was, it was paid out. It was, there was a settlement. You need insurance for that. Teenagers at home, teenagers driving. I don't think... It doesn't really. You need. You need. If you have any assets at all, you need it. If you've got, even if you don't have much in the way of assets, you don't want a future claim on you. Yeah. And if you have substantial assets, you might want to make sure your kids have enough um, some um, um, coverage as well. Yeah. The, 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 that's what the insurance is for. And it's it's pretty dang cheap, relatively speaking. And actually, the first, you know. 
half a million dollars is expensive. As you go forward above it, for each subsequent half a million dollars, the cost drops dramatically. Yeah. And the reason is the likelihood of a claim happening at less than a half a million dollars for the insurance company is higher than a likelihood of a claim over $2 million. And the insurance companies will, they'll, they'll hold the insurance essentially in-house up to certain points. And then when it gets too high, they bring in other insurance companies to what's known as reinsurance. So they're basically insuring themselves. Um, and just below those reinsurance points is when it's probably the cheapest per thousand dollars of coverage. So just get some, get some quotes from your, um, your agent, your agent. And it's one of those things that, um, so with we that, won't run over the rest of Joseph's but, story, but 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 what, what, without and they, they, these some of these claims can be very expensive, yeah, very expensive. Yeah, and some of the insurance companies just pay out on, and some they fight. So. Yeah, but if you've got something that legitimately happens that you are liable, you or your children, or something happens that um, there are protections around your dwellings and certain things, but they're real. All right, so anyway, um, something to be thinking about. Uh, given the time left in the show, I want to briefly talk about the importance of um, advanced health care directives and power of attorneys. Okay. Because, because of this, yes. <laughs> your own family. We talked about that, right? I talked about the beginning of the, the program. My father's been in the hospital for the last four weeks. Um, other very healthy gentleman beforehand. It wasn't like a this illness was creeping up. Um, and frankly, I have a difficult time talking with my father about these things because he doesn't like talking. He doesn't like talking about his money with me. He doesn't like, I think I'm as, I don't know. He just doesn't want to. It's very common. Your parents don't want to talk. Yeah. They'll, they'll talk to, you have no authority with your, your dad. That's right. But you have authority. You know, the firm manages billions and billions of dollars and, yes. and thousands of clients. And you have authority That's right. on at work and hopefully on the radio show and in your advice. But when it comes to home, the guy that, and I, that loves I, look, you more than any probably in the- I can't tell you how many times I've counseled clients on these issues over the years, right? And your dad probably, too. Yeah, making sure you've got fancy health care directive and a power of attorney. And typically, you get these documents when you do update your will or living trust. Or go in for an elective surgery. The advanced health care directives, if you go in for an elective surgery, is normally what the hospital will, or the, will present to you as well. But without having those documents, one, it's um, dad's been in the hospital roughly a month. Bills are coming due. Don't... Don't have any power on his to, for his checkbook to write checks. So you're, I assume then, then all of a sudden, someone in the family stepping up, covering the bills, paying the bills, right? They got to be paid. Yeah, they got to be paid. You go home and the electricity's off, off right? <laughs> not paying his um, Medicare supplement policy. Terrible, right? Um, and then with the so there's the, there's the financial issues. Then there's the issue of who's going to make the decision. The healthcare decision, yes. right? Do we, do, do, you know, do we need this procedure? If this, do we? I hate to say, it, be crass, but do, you, do not do, resuscitate. Do not DNR. DNR. And if there's no spouse, it falls to the oldest sibling, oldest child. I mean, yeah. 
And the oldest child may not be the, actually the right person to make those decisions, by the way. But that's just actually how it cascades. Yeah, but here I'm with my, my three siblings, my three sisters, and we're talking about making a putting together, you know, making a plan for dad. And it's not, <laughs> I think we know his intentions. Yeah. Did he ever share them with you? Well, he hasn't been, since he's been in the hospital, he's not in a position to have those. Oh, prior to that, just never like he said. Well, no, he's never. always said he would like a great, long, healthy life and a quick drop off. As everybody would want. Yes. I mean, you know. <laughs> anyway, if you haven't updated your uh, health care directive and your power of attorney, do so. And if you've got a parent, if you're in your 40s or 50s or 30s, and you encourage your parents to do it as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's just uh, one of those things. It's not a fun thing to talk about. Um, and it's, most people think, I don't need it today. I could deal with it tomorrow. But you never know when that day's coming. So. Uh, mine, are, mine are current and in order, and as knows that yours are as well, Pat. Um, we are going to do our extended podcast uh, right now for those podcast listeners. For the rest of you, it's been great having you. We are on the same station every week, same time. Um, it's been great being here again. All worth money matters. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Okay, for you podcast listeners, we appreciate, by the way, you listen to our podcast. And we had a question that came in. Um, my wife heard on your show that retiring with funds in a thrift savings plan is a bad idea. And I retire at the end of November. I would like to know what your recommendations are for a thrift savings plan of 140000 My pension will be around 80000 per year. So we know from this question that the, uh, this person who is retiring is a government employee because thrift saving is, another, is essentially the 401k plan for the federal government. With not as many choices uh, normally as a normal 401k. No, there are some limitations on it. Yes. What what it's got going for it is very low cost. Extremely low cost. But just because it's low cost does not necessarily mean... I mean, you could certainly duplicate all of these holdings in an IRA set up at Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab, TD, Ameritrade, E-Trade... Pershing, with same 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 cost or lower. Yeah, Vanguard has their Admiral shares and whatnot. Um, so, from a cost standpoint, there's no reason to keep it in the thrift savings plan. And I don't know where this actually came from. Where they said that they heard on our show that we said that they should not keep it in the thrift savings plan. But he, where we tend to recommend that people keep money in a thrift savings plan or other 401k is one is if they are between the ages of 55 and 59 and a half, when they retire, there's a provision in the tax code that says you don't have to wait till 59 and a half. If you're 55 or older in the calendar year in which you retire, then you can take money from your, your 401k thrift savings plan without any restrictions, without any penalties. You don't have to be 59 and a half. So that's one time where we would recommend someone at least keep some money in their 401k. And secondly, is if somebody has very low, little understanding about um, investing or even what a mutual fund is or what an asset class looks like, at least the thrift savings plan did an initial screen. Yeah, as I'm saying that, it's certainly not the best, uh, best reason. But if someone's comfortable with their 401k and assuming they have a decent asset allocation, their money's split up decently uh it's not a bad place yes um it might be better than trusting 
particularly at 140000 you might get someone at the bank trying to sell some annuity or something. Do you think? Yes, I do think. That, that, that's sarcasm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what they sell. Yeah. That's what they sell. They take advantage, Scott. They take advantage of the fact that they're a bank in order to sell products that are less than pristine for their all, clients. All banks? I think so. I'm trying to How's think that? of ones that I haven't. A couple of the big, well, a couple of the more um, banks that actually have real wealth management for wealthy clients, but, but the average consumer the, doesn't. Then they're not going to deal with a $140,000 that, account. That's right. That's right. They're dealing with million-dollar accounts. Yeah. The guy that comes in the $140,000 account at the bank or most brokerage firms. The problem is it's not enough for most brokerage firms. Uh, you know, but Vanguard and Schwab, they've got programs designed uh, kind of through a 1-800 number. Yep. That would be better than a thrift savings plan. That's correct. That's correct. So someone would be better off using one of those um, advisory services through Vanguard or Schwab. And keeping it yep. in the thrift yep. savings plan. So there you go. There's our extended podcast. And uh, please. Uh, if you haven't, if, give us a rating. If, and if uh, if you got any friends, and I'm sure you do. Yeah. Um, when, sometime when you find one of these uh, programs particularly interesting um, and you think someone would benefit from it, forward them the podcast, please. We'd appreciate it. All right. Thank you. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.